Hello everyone, this is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Now, before we get into episode 12, I just want to say a massive thank you to all of our listeners. All of our listeners have been listening more and more and more and more. And it just seems that every show is getting more views than the last one. So thank you all for that. Uh, It's very much appreciated here. Now, we're going to move into part one. We're going to waste no time and move into part one. Part one is called The Review, where we review the fights of last weekend. Uh, Part two, of course, is called the preview where we talk about the fights coming up. So time for part one. We're going to waste no time. We're going to start with a card that took place in Essex this week. Tony Conquest moved to 16 and two with a four round points win over Igaris Barucha. That was in the cruiserweight division. Just a quick little four rounder there. Now we're going to move over to Saturday now. This was in Hamburg, Germany. Jack Kulkai picked up a 12th round unanimous decision win over Dennis Hogan. So Mr. Kulkai now moves to 21-1. and That was for the interim WBA World Super Welterweight title. Also on that bill, Kubrat Pulev, we announced it last week. He was facing off against Morris Harris. Pulev picked up a KO win in the first round. So Pulev now 22-1. and Again, another knockout for Pulev. To be honest, Ayaz, what's your what's your honest views on Pulev? Because he's only got the one loss. I mean, it was quite a big loss to Vladimir Klitschko. But apart from that, his record is pretty much, you know, it speaks for itself. He's a great, great fighter. What sort of future do you think he's got in the heavyweight division now, especially with it all being smashed wide, wide open, all being smashed wide open um, by the win by the win that Fury picked up over Klitschko. How do you see Kubrat Pulev's next few fights going? Where do you think he'll be possibly sometime next year? Where will he be? I reckon he's a very good fighter. He's un- underrated, in my opinion. And obviously, he's only had one loss. You know what? A fight that I'd like to see him fight, yeah? I'd like to see him fight... Um, I'd like to see him fight someone like Tyson Fury or Huey Fury would be a good fight for him. Yeah, I think he has earned his stripes, but I don't want to see him fight Tyson Fury just yet. I think Huey Fury would be a good fight. Again, he's up and coming, Huey Fury. He hasn't really fought at that level yet. But i tell you who I'd like to see him face off against in the next year. David Hay, providing he gets past his opponent. Um, Moving down that bill also, it was a bit of a late announcement. Derek Chisora was also on that card in Hamburg. His first fight under the Sauerland brothers. He moved to 23-5. and five. He picked up a fifth-round TKO victory over Peter Erdos. Peter Erdos was just a journeyman with nine wins, eight losses, and four draws. But, yeah, we had to, we had to tell you about that as well. Also over in Mexico, Johnny Gonzalez, the very experienced ex-world champion, he fought for the vacant WBC International Silver Super Featherweight title. He fought against that guy with the really crazy name, Hurricane Future. Unfortunately, Hurricane Future was defeated by veteran Johnny Gonzalez. This was a 12th round unanimous decision in favour of Gonzalez. So he picks up his 59th professional win. Um... 
there wasn't anything else on that bill in Mexico. But moving over to New Zealand, heavyweight prospect Joseph Parker, he was out again. He was facing off against Daniel Martz. Now, Joseph Parker moves to 17-0, TKO in the first round. I haven't seen it, but, you know, a lot of big things are expected of Mr. Parker now. He really is moving on through the division very, very swiftly. That was for the WBO Oriental Heavyweight title. Also, another crazy card in England somewhere. can't remember where now. But Tyler Goodjohn, he moves to 12-4 and four with a points win in six rounds in the welterweight division. He defeated Gogosevic. Um, nothing else on that card. Now we move over to the controversial card down in Westcroft Leisure Centre. Carl Shorten, I'll talk about the controversial side of it when we get to the main event. If anybody didn't see it, it was live on Channel 5. There was a lot of a lot of stuff going on in that main event, so we'll get into that in a moment. But I was actually there in attendance, so I saw it from the front row. But a few good fights on that, Bill. We'll start with massive prospect, the Welsh flyweight, Mr. Andrew Selby. He moved to 3-0 and with a win over Brasino. Andrew Selby, he just looked brilliant. He just looked brilliant. I saw him warming up, and it just the, the things he does, he's just so... Uh, <laughs> I know he's only 3-0, and but I can't wait to see him progress because he's absolutely brilliant. I met uh, Lee Selby as well just just briefly, and I think that those two those two brothers are really really going to do big things in boxing. Also on the bill, Tommy McCarthy, the cruiserweight, he moved to seven and zero. He beat Martin. I can't really say his name. Martin Satmari. Satmari. I think he was just there to be beaten, but Tommy McCarthy nonetheless moves to seven and zero. Also on that bill, Thomas Kinden. He was fighting as well. He picked up a win. This was a points win after six rounds. He's a bantamweight. He moves to 7-0. and Danny Cassius Connor. Wow, did he impress. He moves to 14 wins, nine losses and two draw. A bit of an ugly looking record, but I don't think he was taking boxing serious until he was about eight fights into his career. I think he lost his first one or two fights. He picked up about three or four losses on the spin, but he's now taking boxing extremely seriously. And he picked up a KO in the first round. It was brilliant to see that. Um, you know, real good friend of the show here. Huey Fury was also on the bill, and after a series of pullouts from potential opponents, someone finally stepped in. It was Larry Olubamiwo. I think I've got it there. Huey Fury, 17 and 0. He's now 18 and 0. KO in the first round. It was a bit of a strange shot. He he hit Larry. I'm going to call him Larry. He hit Larry sort of in the kidney, sort of behind in his lower back sort of thing, and he, he just stayed down. So Larry is now 11 wins and 19 losses. He's a right big lump, but he just he just couldn't compete with Huey in the boxing, you know, with his boxing skills. Also on that bill, Jordan Gill, of course, the the Ingle fighter. He moved to five, uh, sorry, five and zero, oh, fifteen and zero. Oh. He defeated Harvey Helmsley. This was a TKO in the second round. And also, Atif Shafiq, again an Ingle fighter, he picked up a win when his opponent failed to come out for the fourth round. He retired on his stall after three. So Atif Shafiq now 16-1. and And now the main event, the very controversial main event, Lenny Dawes, 
facing off against Ruben Nieto. Now, Ruben Nieto was Spanish. He's from Madrid. He had a massive contingent of Spanish fans in the arena with big Spanish flags waving them everywhere. A lot of stuff was kicking off during the fight, before the fight and after the fight with the English fans and the Spanish fans. Um, it was really going off. At one point, Tyson Fury had to get in the ring, take the microphone off of the MC and tell everybody to calm down. Lenny Dawes, he was 30 wins, three losses and two draws going into this fight. Ruben Nieto, 16 wins, one loss. This was for the vacant EBU European super lightweight title, also known as the light welterweight title. Now, Lenny Dawes was disqualified in the 10th round for what the referee called an intentional headbutt. Now, there's been a lot made of this. I mean, like I say, I was in the first row. Uh, there was there was a few things going on during the fight. Nieto kept hitting Lenny Dawes low and nothing really happened to him. I know that Mick, Mick Hennessy was absolutely furious after the fight. He was going crazy in an interview that I saw. Uh, the security even had to tell the Spaniard boxer to stay in the ring after the fight because they was a little bit worried that something may kick off as he walks back to to the changing room. But firstly, I do want to say credit to Mick Hennessy because he put on a really, really good show and it really was brilliant the way it all came together in such a small venue. They really made something of it. Of course, it's the Westcroft Leisure Centre. It's not, uh, it's not, a, it's not a boxing venue. It's literally a leisure centre. You know, it was literally on the floor of a basketball court, you may as well say. And if you were watching it on TV, it, it, you would have never known. It was brilliant. Uh, it was fantastic to be there in attendance. It was a great fight, and if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you can get it on you know, Channel 5 on demand or whatever, but it was a brilliant fight while it lasted. It was an out-and-out -out war. Every single round, there was blood everywhere. It was a real, real, real war. It was a great fight to watch. Lenny Dawes had a few scary moments in there, but unfortunately, his dream couldn't come true, and he couldn't win the vacant EBU European title. Again, he should have won this title a while back in Italy, but he was robbed out there. A lot of uh, unfair circumstances surrounded that fight in the build-up, things that I won't go into on the show, but there's a lot of stuff that happened which shouldn't have happened the way they did. So Lenny Dawes, you know, very, very unfortunate. Again, he's on the wrong end of a decision, not not obviously after 12 rounds, not by the judges, but this time from the referee. So he's really had, he's really been handed some bad luck, Lenny Dawes. So I feel very sorry for him. I hope he can bounce back. Um but yeah, you know, credit to Nieto. It wasn't his fault. He now moves to 17 and 1, and he's now the EBU champion. I know Mick Hennessy's going to try to appeal against the decision, but I'm not sure what will happen. But hopefully there's a rematch because it was brilliant and it really did warrant a rematch. Moving over to the Hilton Hotel, there's just one one fight over there that I want to mention. One fighter, Andrew Robinson, he picked up a win. It was only a four-rounder middleweight division. Andrew Robinson is now 17-1. and one. Also now, I want to move over to the big fight, the massive fight over in Brooklyn, New York, the Barclays Center, of course. Danny Jacobs, Peter Quillen. Not much to say about the fight, to be honest, because he only, he only went one round. I, as I'll let you fill in. My word, Jacob just smashed up Peter Quillen. That's all I can say in one word, in a couple of phrases. That's all it was. That, that, that's all it was. I mean, Peter Quillen, who who I think you picked him to win. I definitely picked him to win. Did you pick him to win as well? Yes, I picked him to win. Yeah, we both picked him to win. Um, unexpectedly, 
Daniel Jacobs, who I do like as well. There's nothing against Danny Jacobs here. We've got nothing against him on this show. Uh, he's a cancer survivor. You know, that's that's fantastic that he's gone on to be a world champion. Uh, he, he picked up the win, first round TKO. A lot of people was a bit annoyed with Harvey Dock's decision. Harvey Dock being the referee, he waved it off. A lot of people, there was a bit of a mixture. Some people thought it was waved off and it was completely correct. I was one of those people. I think that he was right to call it off. And a lot of people saying it was wrong to do it. He should have been given a second chance. It was a it was a world title fight. It was only in the first round and all this. Um, they showed a slow motion replay on Box Nation, which I think nailed it. I think it was Barry Jones who pointed it out. Good observer, Barry Jones. And basically... Daniel Jacobs was just, he caught Quillin with a good shot and he was just steaming into him, absolutely frying left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, just steaming into him with everything. Now, Peter Quillin was doing quite well to survive the onslaught. Um, he was he was also coming forward while he was throwing it at some stages of this attack. He even threw a few punches back himself that they never really landed. Jacobs um, hit Quillin with another shot and Quillin sort of, backed up and his leg sort of buckled and it looked like he may go down but he managed to stay up and his eyes were um if you remember Curtis Stevens being knocked down by Gennady Golovkin when he was on the canvas his eyes went all wired like he'd just seen a ghost that's what happened to Peter Quillen his eyes went all wired and the referee sort of had a quick look at him it was very quick it happened so quick and then he waved it off but they showed a slow motion replay and his eyes were like just staring at nothing. He wasn't staring at Jacobs. He was he had his hands up. He was ready to fight. And I you have to admire the man's heart. You know, he's a great fighter, Peter Quillen, kid chocolate. And and the referee waved it off. But as the referee's waving it off, Peter Quillen, if he didn't agree with a decision, he'd be looking at the ref. Or if he even knew the ref was in front of him, he'd be looking at the ref. He was looking completely over the ref's shoulder with his eyes wide open. He was not he was not ready to take a few more punches. It could have been quite dangerous, to be honest. So, in my opinion, good stoppage. Moving down that bill, Jesus Marcelo Andres Kular was also on the bill. He picked up a unanimous decision after 12 rounds. He now moves to 28 and 1. That was the that was for the WBA World Featherweight title. He defeated Jonathan Aquendo. Jonathan Aquendo was down in round four. Jonathan Aquendo now 26 wins and five losses. And I'm going to mention one more fight that was also on this bill. It's the last, it's the last fight I'm going to mention on part one. Chris Algieri, he was back in the ring. He picked up a win over Eric Bonet. So Algieri now 21 wins and two losses. Again, those two losses don't write his career off there. They're to Manny Pacquiao and they're to Amir Khan. So you can't moan about that. And he also knocked Bonet down in round eight. So again, unanimous decision win there for Chris Algeria after 10 rounds. And that's really it for part one. So we'll bring on now our first guest. Okay, now it's time for our first guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Gary Spike O'Sullivan. Gary Spike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Roy. Appreciate it. No problem. Okay, so... You've got this fight coming up on Saturday, and um, thank you for coming on the show at, at such short notice. Thank you for coming on so close to your fight, um, Spike. I'm going to start with I'm going to start with an irrelevant question for a minute. I just want to know: Did you watch the Daniel Jacobs Peter Quillen fight at all? I've seen the uh, but yeah, I didn't last long, so I think that's more at all, right? Yeah. yeah. 
You know, because he just seemed to just blow him out of there, which was quite surprising, to be honest. I had Quillian winning that fight, but yeah. Okay, now this fight coming up on Saturday, Chris Eubank Jr. Do you consider this fight the biggest fight of your career so far, Spike? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's only because another fight of the world right last us. So you'd say it's bigger than the Billy Joe Saunders fight? Well, it is because I think the reason being is because I'm going to play the world title after. When I bought Billy Joe, I wasn't going to play the world title after that one. So this is bigger because of that, but I'm not, I'm not fighting a better fighter. So, of course, you know, the winner of, of you and, and, and Eubank goes on to the winner of the fight the other day, which we just mentioned, Quillian and Jacobs. So have you had a little look at Jacobs? I know you're not looking past Eubank, but have you had a little look at him? Would you have preferred to face him rather than Quillian? Um, didn't bother me either way, to be honest. Uh, whoever's a champion, I'm just going to have to take it off. And, uh, it my destiny to become middleweight champion of the world, and it uh, doesn't matter who's the champion at the time, I'm going to win anyway. I think uh, Danny Jacobs is a guy that I've got an awful lot of respect for. One of the guys I respect the most in the world. Uh, I think he's a great guy. And um, having beaten cancer and got to where he is, I think it's an amazing story. And um, I'd like to congratulate him on his win. And looking forward to getting along with him uh, after this in the future. Okay. Now, a lot of people are surprised that you haven't tried to get under the uh, Chris Eubank's skin. Uh, obviously, Billy Joe did this and it worked pretty well. Instead, you've taken a different approach, one that surprised many people. You haven't really said anything bad. Why is this, Spike? I never ever say anything bad about anyway, Juan. Um, I use a bit of banter on um, <clears throat> social media to get the fight. Um, but no, just, just like really for Chris Ulrink. Uh, uh, nothing bad to say, really. I think he's an arrogant guy. He wouldn't be my favourite guy out there, but um, um, I, don't, I don't, certainly don't hear him. I don't feel like saying anything bad him, really. Even though what you're saying, you know, your reason's 100% valid, I personally can't see you staying quiet all the way up until the fight. Something's going to happen at the way in Spike. I know what you're like. It's a possibility. I just go with slow, man. Just, uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. Uh, I have nothing planned. I'm and you... Whatever I think Chris Chris has refused to face off with you before because he said that you kissed an opponent. He's talking about Anthony Fitzgerald. Um, yeah. Do you think he will face off with you at the final press conference and the weigh-in, or do you reckon he will avoid it? I don't know, and I don't really care what he does. It's irrelevant to me. I don't care what he does. I just uh, he can do what he wants. I'm going to do what I want, and I'm going to do what I want on Saturday. Smash him up. And now, of course, you're on a good run at the moment. You haven't been past three rounds in any of your last five fights. All of those fights you've won by knockout. Um, last last time we spoke, you said you don't really go into fights looking for the knockout. It just comes. Will you be yeah. going for the knockout against Eubank? I will be, yeah. You will be. I don't think I'll get the point decision over there because uh, he's you know, the best money financially in him and they want to... Um, it to be like his father on Sky. So I don't think they'll be looking for me to win. They won't want me to win. Um, and uh, I think if it's in point, I won't get the decision. So I'll be looking at the knock them out, yeah. Because 
I know sometimes you hear a lot of fighters saying, oh, it's going to be an absolute war. We're going to go at it from round one. And they say all this and it doesn't happen. I believe what you're saying. I believe what you're saying. If you're saying you're going to go out there and you're looking to smash him, you're looking to knock him out, I believe what you're saying. So everybody who perhaps isn't sure if they're going to be tuning in or not, anybody that's listening, you're advising them to tune in because you, it's going to it's going to really be what you say it is. You're going to go in there to knock him out, nothing else but knock him out. 100% I never talk shit I 100% talk exactly about what I'm going to do and I do exactly what I'm saying I'm going to do it I'm going to go in there and I'm going to knock him out I've never been more sore of anything in my life I said the same but I need to surely told you knock him out even though no one believed that because he'd been distance with Hassan and and Andy Lee and they were like nah not a chance he was a tough guy he is a tough guy and I, I got so much power when I hit you that's it doesn't matter who you are He's a good puncher, of course, Chris Eubank Jr. I know that, obviously, as you know, he's, he's as we all know, he's not your favourite person in the world. He's a good fighter, though. We have to give him credit for that. But to be honest, Spike, I've seen you dodge a stall. So if you can dodge a stall, I'm sure you can dodge uh, Chris Eubank's hands. But um, I'm going to pass you over to Ayaz now, my partner. He's got a couple of questions for you, and then we'll wave you off the show. Okay. Ayaz, bring yourself in. Yep. Hello, Spike. How are you doing? Pretty good, are you? Yeah, I'm good with myself. Spike, how do you see this fight going on Saturday with you and Chris Eubank Jr.? Well, um, I prepared very, very hard. I trained harder than I ever had many because I never wanted to win a fight as much because I'm going to fight for the world title effort. And um, I've left no stone unturned and feeling amazing. And I just think it's going to be a knockout 100%. What do you think of his? Uh, uh, what do you think of Chris Eubanks uh, Junior.'s dad being on? I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. He's desperate for money. Um, I think he just put his. I, I know for a fact he begged for the Gilafkin fight on, so he couldn't couldn't get the Gilafkin fight. So that was the second biggest fight financially for him that he could get, and uh, you know that's why he's put his son into this fight with me. Big mistake. That doesn't give a shit though. That doesn't give a shit. What happened to him? Son. Before he um come up for adoption when he was a young player and he, he ended up living out in um, Vegas for a few years for Chris Junior was terrible what his dad done to him and uh, I think he's doing a terrible thing to him this way now so he's uh exerted the amount of time he needs when he has the toughest fight of his entire life and uh, and he's just you know, left and went to the jungle to get more money and he's you know putting Chris and poor Chris into a fight with me just to get money for himself as well and uh, you know I don't believe uh, Senior truly believes he's going to win this fight either uh, because he's trying to make a comeback himself uh, to fight Nigel then because he knows some square is quite possibly going to be over on Saturday night Would you consider taking Golovkin on? Would I consider taking Golovkin on? Is that what you said? Yes 100% I would love to fight him absolutely love to fight him uh, be great. He, I like his style I like his style he's a good guy great champion I absolutely love the opportunity to fight him and I know he's only human like anybody else and uh, everybody can be knocked out and uh, I got the power to knock anybody out and he should have been I um, I'll knock him out um, and become the number one middleweight in the whole planet which would be a dream come true I love that opportunity yeah thank you I'll pass you on back to Joey 
Okay, Spike, the last thing I wanted to ask you. The other day, I watched the, the face-off, the Sky Sports Gloves Are Off um, yeah. production thing, and Chris Eubank said something about he'd offered you to fight a few times and you deliberately priced yourself out of it. I just wanted to hear your side of, of the story there. What is there any truth in what he said? I mean, what's, what's your side on that? Well... He's deluded to think that I wouldn't fight him. I'm, I'm here, I'll be there on Saturday night, don't worry about that. You know, and he's talking absolute trash, absolute rubbish. Um, you know, about me, myself, about me trying to price myself out of the fight. It's like, you know, and the last time was, um, I was, I was promoted with Frank Warren for four years, and Chris was with um, Frank Warren at the time, and we were trying to make the fight, and Frank Warren wanted options on the contract he wanted me to fight with him for four fights after he knew it Warren knew it I beat Eubank so thing is he said after the Eubank fight I got the fight four fights or five fights in the beginning with him then we got him down to three we actually agreed in the end to do three fights with him but it just didn't happen uh, because he wanted the money kind of made out for the next three fights as well which was absolutely ludicrous because Eubank Jr. was ranked number one with WB at the time and it was interim world champion I'd beat Newbank then I probably would end up with the fight. Maybe Gloucester, who knows? And they wanted to sell out the money that I was gonna make in that fight prior to me signing the contract for the fight with Newbank. It was just impossible. Couldn't do it. Plus I've been warm for four years already, so I just had to find signing with the Murphy's boxing as well, so it was just a backward step for me to go back to Warren I thought and couldn't do it. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will be listening and a lot of people will you know, they wouldn't have known about that. So thank you for, for sharing that with us, Spike. Um, My pleasure, it's true. It's, yeah, it seems like he's blaming you, you're blaming him, but at the end of the day, the fight's sealed now, it's signed, and um, it's here on Saturday, it's so close, I cannot wait for it. I think it's the it's the fight on the bill, and I'm not lying when I say it, I think I'm looking forward to this fight more than any other fight on that bill. I think this is the most intriguing fight, and like I say, when you, te- when you say that you're going out there to knock him out, I believe what you're saying. So I wish you the, the utmost luck, uh, Spike. Not that not that you need it. I think if you land on anyone, they're gone anyway. It doesn't matter if it's Eubank or if it's, or if it's, a, or if it's a stall. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thanks once again for coming on the show, Spike. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. And um, best you. of luck in the fight. I'll probably see you sometime this week anyway. Anyway. Yep, thanks very much, Joyce. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. And take care, and we'll see you over there. God bless. OK, now it's time for part two of the Box Hard podcast. This is the part where we preview the fights coming up this week. So on Tuesday, the 8th of December, you may have already, it may have already gone by the time you, by the time you listen to this podcast. But Dennis Duglin, we remember he fought and lost to George Groves. He's out on a New Jersey card. He's fighting a guy called Elvin Ayala. Dennis Duglin, 19 wins, four losses. Elvin Ayala, 28 wins, seven losses, one draw. Chad Dawson's also on the bill. He's now 32 wins and four losses. He's in a 10-rounder in the light heavyweight division against... Shuja El Amin, Shuja El Amin with a record of 12 and 8. Now that's it for the Tuesday. Moving over to Friday now on the 11th of December, a really strange one over in Puerto Rico. Nonito Denaire, he faces off against Cesar 
Juarez. Now, Nanito Donaire, his record now 35 wins, 3 losses. And Cesar Juarez, 17 wins, 3 losses. This is for the WBO International Super Bantamweight title. Also on that bill, Felix Verdeo. He's also out again. He looks to move to 19-0. He's 18-0 at the moment. 10-rounder for the WBO Latino lightweight title. He faces off against Jose Nilsson dos Santos, who has a record of 27 wins and 3 losses. I think that's it for the Friday. There's a few strange ones again, like they're just scattered everywhere. It seems to be the case this time of year. Everyone's everyone's just jumping on whatever bill they can, to be honest with you. Uh, we're going to move over to Saturday now. A few strange ones on Saturday as well. We're going to start with a card down in Australia, Vic Darchinian. He faces off against Chris Paulino. Victor Chinian, 41 wins, 8 losses and 1 draw. It's only a 10-rounder. It's for the vacant WBC Asian Boxing Cancel Super Bantamweight title. <laughs> Chris Paulino's records, 14 wins and 2 losses. Also over in Denmark, Patrick Nilsson. He faces off against Rudy Markusen. Nilsson with a record now of 27 wins, one loss, and Makusen, 39 wins, three losses. That should actually be a good fight, to be honest. I hope I can watch that somewhere. Now, a random card. A lot of people were linked with this fight, but over in Moscow, Russia, Roy Jones Jr. against our very own, he's Welsh, so he's, he's our very own British fighter, Enzo Macronelli. Roy Jones Jr. with a whopping, whopping record now. This is his 71st professional fight. Roy Jones Jr.'s current record is 62 wins and 8 losses. It's a 12-rounder cruiserweight division. Enzo Macronelli, 40 wins and 7 losses. So these guys have got almost 120 fights between them. So that's absolutely crazy. Moving down that build, Dmitry Chudinov. 16 wins, one loss, and two draws. Remember, he lost his WBA interim belt to Chris Eubank Jr. He faces Benjamin Simon, who has a record of 26 and 2. Chudinov was actually a really good fighter, so I hope that he can get back to winning ways. Also on that bill, Alexander Ustinov. He faces off against ex world champion Samuel Peter. So Ustinov now 32 wins, one loss. Samuel Peter now 35 wins and 5 losses. Moving over to Ukraine, Max Bursak, he's also in a fight. He's only an 8-rounder. His opponent hasn't been announced yet. His record's now 31 wins, 4 losses and the 1 draw. He's been in a lot of big fights. Uh, moving over to Blackpool, Matty Askin. This is also on the Saturday. Matty Askin faces off against Svasina. Matty Askin now 18 wins, 3 losses, 1 draw. And Svasina, 12 wins, 17 losses. Should be a, a good win for, for Matty Askin. Again, a tough fighter, very underrated, and a massive lookalike for Marco Huck. Uh, Luke Blackledge is also on that card. He's now 20 wins, 2 losses, 2 draws. But again, his opponent hasn't been announced yet. Moving over to the massive bill now in the O2 Arena. A lot of people have criticised this for being pay-per-view. I think it is pay-per-view worthy, to be honest. Not for the quality fights on the bill, but just purely for all the names on the bill, all the, all the fights on the bill. I think there are some good fights on the bill, just to add. Kevin Mitchell faces off against Ishmael Barroso. Kevin Mitchell, 39 wins, 3 losses. Barroso, 
tough, tough opponent. 18 wins, undefeated with two draws. Obviously, this is in the lightweight division. It's a 12-rounder. It's for the interim WBA World Lightweight title. Should be a really good fight, this fight. And I think it will be it will be quite tough. But I think Kevin Mitchell should pull through. How about you, Ayaz? The Kevin Mitchell fight. Yeah, this is going to be this is a very tough fight for Kevin Mitchell. Obviously, they're saying the winner of this fight uh, has has to fight Anthony Crawler. Is it the WBA? Yes. Yeah, the, so the winner of that will fight um, most likely... Anthony Crawler. So yeah, I think Kevin Mitchell's in a very tough fight. His last fight against Lenares, that was a... My word, that's probably... It could be fight of the year, in my opinion. Because the way yeah, Kevin was, Mitchell was that fight, it just, he's getting hurt, but he was still giving it a shot until he got stopped. Yeah, I don't think anyone can question his heart. I think he's got one of the biggest hearts in boxing. He's really... He's too brave for his own good sometimes. Uh, moving down that bill, Anthony Joshua faces off against Dillian White. These guys are both unbeaten, of course. Anthony Joshua fourteen and zero, Dillian White sixteen and zero. The belts are on, that are on the line here are the Commonwealth Heavyweight Title, the vacant British Heavyweight Title, and the WBC International Heavyweight Title. So, the winner's going to have three straps around his waist come the end of the fight. This is this is a massive fight, isn't it, Ayers? There's no there's no getting away from this. It's a huge fight. There's a lot of grudge between these two guys. Of course, they fought as amateurs. They hate each other's guts. Dillian White knocked him down and beat him in the amateurs. Anthony Joshua's come on a long way since then. He's knocked everyone out he's faced. He hasn't been over three rounds yet. What do you think's going to happen here, Ayaz? How 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 big of a fight do you, do you grant this one? How big of a fight do you think this is? In domestic wise, this is a very big fight. Obviously, they're both rivals. So I remember I did it last week. The gloves are off. And Joshua and White and White was like, "Let's have it! Let's have it! Let's have it! Let's have it!" And White was White's White's got something against Joshua. Like they just like it's like it's it's his enemy, and obviously like. Even the amateur, I was watching the fight yesterday. I was actually watching the amateur fight again. The Joshua v. White fight. White was very good, but since Joshua has won that Olympic gold medal, he just is, he's just risen. He's, he's getting better and better every single time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you say, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of hate between them. I, I think most of it's coming from Dillian White. Again, Joshua, you know, he's like the darling of British boxing at the moment. He hasn't he hasn't really sort of said much horrible stuff or much much um, you know derogatory stuff, but definitely a lot of tension between them. As you can see, some of the stares that they were giving each other on the on on the face off on on Sky Sports, you can see that there's a lot of stuff between them. Yeah, so that's going to be a massive fight. But we are going to speak to Dillian White shortly. So we're going to move over now to. The undercard fight, of course, another another fight on this on this card. Tony Bellew he faces off against Matthias Masternak. Tony Bellew twenty five wins, two losses, one draw, and Masternak thirty six wins, three losses. I think this will be a tough fight for Bellew, and it, you know, it's, it's it's for the vacant EBU European Cruiserweight title. But I do think Tony Bellew's in deep waters here. This should be a really tough fight. I hope he pulls through, and I think he will, but it is a tougher fight than some people think it will be. Luke Campbell as well, a massive, massive lightweight prospect. 
A lot of people already think he's the best lightweight in the country. He faces off against even Mendy. Uh, Luke Campbell is only 12-0, and, and Mendy is 32-4 and with one draw. This is a 12-rounder, lightweight division, of course. Also, we spoke to him earlier, Mr. Gary Spike O'Sullivan. He faces off against Chris Eubank Jr. This will be absolutely tremendous, this fight. I'm telling you, you've got to watch it. It's going to be brilliant. I promise you now, it's going to be brilliant. Chris Eubank, 20 wins, one loss. Gary Spike O'Sullivan, 22 wins, one loss. Both these guys have lost to the same guy in Billy Joe Saunders. This is a 12-rounder in the middleweight division. Chris Eubank Jr., some of the best skills in the, in the middleweight division. Gary Spike O'Sullivan, some of the hardest punching hands in the middleweight division. I think if it goes to points, I've got Chris Eubank. If it goes early, I think Spike O'Sullivan will knock him out. I, I seriously think Spike O'Sullivan will get outboxed and he will lose on a decision. Or if he catches Chris Eubank clean, he will knock him Spark out. Ayaz, give us your prediction. I was I was watching the uh, public workout for Chris Eubank Jr. and he's actually in very very good shape. Spike O'Sullivan, obviously, he's a very he's a puncher, like you said as well. If I have to give it, if it's if it's a knockout, it'd be Spike. If it goes to points, it'll be Chris Eubank. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's going to be an absolute cracker. That's that's probably the fight I'm looking most forward to. Also, down that card, a bit of a strange announcement. Um, Gianluca Bronco or Branco, Gianluca Branco, he defends his EBU European Worldweight title against. Nice guy of boxing, also part-time boxing pundit, Mr. Paulie Malinagi. Now, this is his first defence, Mr. Branko. This is his first defence of it. He won the title in his last fight. But he's been out of the rear... Sorry, out of the ring, not out of the rear. <laughs> he's been out of the ring for a year and a little bit now. So about just under... 13 months so he's been out of the ring for for 13 months so again a bit of inactivity but then again Paulie hasn't been extremely active to be honest this this you know this this late in his career so Paulie Malinagi he always said he wanted to win the European title because I think he's got Italian blood from his from his granddad and he wants to win this title he wants to give this title to his granddad so Paulie Malinagi's had two fights this year. Of course, he got he got knocked out in devastating fashion in the ninth round against Danny Garcia. That was back in August. A month later, he was in the ring against Laszlo Fasekas. He picked up a win in Italy. And Fasekas had a record of 27 wins and 21 losses. So a bit, you know, a bit of a journeyman sort of record there. And Paulie beat him unanimously. He won every round practically. He won after eight rounds, but this is a good fight. And I will say, Branko is a good opponent. Branko's record, 49 wins, 24 of those wins coming by knockout, so basically a 50% knockout uh, ratio, a percentage, should I say. And he's got three losses and one draw. Now, his three losses, get a load of this for people that may not know, his three losses, one loss, to Arturo Gatti. You know, there's no shame in losing to him. One loss to undefeated at the time, 25-0, Miguel Cotto. He managed to knock um, He managed to knock him out. This was in the eighth round. This, this was back in 2006, though. 
and his last defeat was in 2010 to Matthew Hatton. This was over in, in Dagenham in Essex. So he hasn't lost for the last five years. But then again, saying that, he's only had one, two, three, four, five, six fights in the last five years. So he hasn't been extremely active. Paulie Malinagi, obviously, I shouldn't have to say his record. Everybody should know the fights he's been in and the type of people he's faced off against. But he's 34 and 7. 34 wins, but only 7 coming by knockout. Again, he's been in there with a lot of top guys, but this is a bit of a test for him. He's, he's 35 years old now. He's been in a lot of wars, a lot of tough fights, but both of these guys have lost to a Hatton. Obviously, Paulie Malinagi losing to Ricky Hatton and Branko losing to Matthew Hatton. But again, I think that's going to be a good little dust-up. That's in the welterweight division, of course. And these guys are vastly experienced. You know, Paulie Malinagi's had 41 fights, and it just seems like he's been around forever. Branko, well, he's had 53 fights. So it'd be a good fight, that one. And Branko, I should mention his age as well. Paulie Malinagi being 35, and Branko being 45. So that's a real, that's a, that's a really old boxer there. 45 years old. So there's a 10-year age gap here so this would be quite quite bad if Malinagi loses to Branko I think that would be the end of Paulie's career to be honest he wouldn't want to carry on fighting after losing to someone who's 45 who hasn't been extremely active in the last couple of years also on the bill the pride of Leeds Josh Warrington he faces Jorge Sanchez both of these guys are unbeaten it's for the WBC international featherweight title Josh Warrington 22 and 0 Jorge Sanchez 15 and 0 it's a 10 rounder this will be a good fight i'm looking forward to this one again Josh Warrington I really hope he does well. He's got a brilliant fan base. He's just moved from one thing to another. He's smashing everybody's expectations, getting all these wins. Also on the the card, Martin Ward faces Miguel Gonzalez. Martin Ward, 12 wins, no losses and two draws. Miguel Gonzalez, 13 wins, four losses. Reese Belletti's also out again. He's 4-0 at the minute. He's only in a four-rounder. He looks to move to 5-0. Jake Ball is on the card as well. He's 3-0. He looks to move to 4-0. It's only a four-rounder. And Ted Cheeseman, his third professional fight, he looks to move to 3-0 at the moment. 2-0, good prospect for the future, Ted Cheeseman. And Jake Ball. Andy Ruiz Jr., he's out again. His opponent hasn't been announced yet, and it's only going to be an eight-rounder. But just to note, you know, he's a good fighter in the heavyweight division, and he's looking to pick up another win again. He's been out twice in the last couple of months. He fought in September and October. Both of those fights wins after eight rounds on unanimous decisions. Over in San Antonio, Texas, Omar Figueroa, he's out again. He faces Antonio DeMarco. This will be a really, really good fight. Omar Figueroa, 25 wins, zero losses and the one draw. Antonio DeMarco, 31 wins, five losses and one draw. This will be a really good fight. Also in the heavyweight division, this is a really tough fight. Dominic Brazil, 16-0, faces off against Charles Martin. Now, Charles Martin... Is supposed to be fighting Glazkov for the IBF title. Again, there's a lot of confusion at the minute, but Tyson Fury, who beat Vladimir Klitschko, took all his belts. The IBF are already calling that he fights for his mandatory. He fights his mandatory fighter. So the guy who's in the mandatory position is Glazkov. And if Fury 
doesn't defend against Glaskov, which he can't because he's contracted to fight Vladimir Klitschko in a rematch, then Glaskov will fight for the vacant title against the next in line, which is Charles Martin. But again, Charles Martin's in a really big fight here. Dominic Brazil, 16-0. Charles Martin, 22-0 with the one draw. Also, that's a 10-rounder, by the way. Also on that bill, another 10-rounder in the heavyweight division, Chris Ariola. He's back. He's, at the minute, 36 wins, four losses and one draw. He faces Travis Kaufman, who's 30 wins and one draw. Again, that'll be a tough fight. And also... The last fight I think that we're going to mention now for the part two of this show, Victor Ortiz, he's in a 10-rounder. His record now is 30 wins, five losses and two draws. This is in the welterweight division. He faces Orlando Laura, who has a record of 36, sorry, 31 wins, six losses and two draws. And I think that is it. That's it. Thank you very much for listening to part two. We're now going to bring in our second guest of this show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Dillian White. Dillian, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you doing, man? You all right? Good, 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 good. Um, I'm going to ask you, how much of a change has it been, Dillian, suddenly working with Jonathan Banks? It's, um, it's been all right. It's been a little bit difficult because I've had to change and work a lot of things, but... Yeah, um, it, you know, it's, it's been fun as well, you know, because you've made it fun. So it's been a little bit difficult, but nothing, nothing, nothing's really strenuous or too hard, you know. Okay. Um, now, of course, Jonathan was preparing Vladimir um, for his big fight with Fury, and he also was training you at the same time. How was that time divided between you both? Did you feel that you had enough time? Is there no stones unturned in the build-up to this fight with Joshua? No, listen, you know, um, the people, um, the thing is, Vladimir and his people is professional. JB and me, we are professional, so we know we have a job to do. We don't really mess about, so we, you know, we keep it um, professional and just, um, just get the training done. It's a bit of an awkward position that you're in. But what did you think of the Fury Klitschko fight? Were you happy that Fury got the win? Listen, I wasn't surprised because this is heavyweight boxing, and in heavyweight boxing, nothing surprises me. You know, what I find out with a lot of big men in sports and and life, one day they can be good, and the next day they can be average, or one day they can be in form, and the next day they they can be. You know, and it's a weird boxing. We always one punch or one bad night away from disaster. So it wasn't a surprise to me. You know, I mean, I, I guess when two people step in the ring, I always, I always, I always expect the unexpected And that's what Tyson Fury went out and did. So I'm sure Vladimir was greatly disappointed in his performance. And that's why he wants a rematch so badly. So he, he can prove to himself as well as to people that it, it was just a half night for him, you know. And also, what's your views on David Hayes' return to the ring, Dillian? Do you think he'll be able to get back to the top of the tree? Well, he's young enough. Like he keeps saying, he hasn't taken enough punishment and stuff like that. And he's, he's rested for three years and his body is refreshed and his mind is refreshed and he's hungry and all of that stuff. But, you know, I, who knows? But I wish him all the success. And, you know what I mean? David has got a lot of power. He's explosive. He's got a lot of experience. You know that he's built up over the years and time. So, who knows? You know what I mean. You know who knows who knows how much um, ambition he really has left, or how much he wants to fight. But you know he's got he's got the ability to do whatever he wants to do, whatever he wants to do, and that's a different story. We have to wait and see. 
Okay, now we move on to the big fight you have on Saturday. There's no doubt this is the biggest fight of your life. Is that fair to say, Dillian? Say again? I said this big fight Saturday. There's no, there's no doubt in saying this is the biggest fight of your life. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is definitely the biggest fight of my life. But, you know, I've always been a struggler since the day I was born. So for me, it's just another, it's just another little struggle I've got to get over. You know what I mean? I've always had ups and downs and hardship in life. So for me, it's just another, another um, hurdle I've got to get over um, in, 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 in this stage of my life, really. So, you know. Um, of course, you know, you're a massive underdog here. Are you someone that thrives under pressure or do you just feel numb to it? To me, you know, I'm one of those kind of guys that I always want to go out and fight a proper good fight and knock somebody out and give the fans what they pay to come and see. But for this fight, I don't feel under pressure because for this fight, everybody's expecting me to get in there and lose. So the pressure is other than Joshua. The pressure, only pressure there is in this fight is what I put on myself. I haven't put any pressure on myself because... I believe in my ability and what I can do, what I'm capable of doing. And since working with Jenica and, and stuff, we've added a couple more new dimensions to my game and made me a little bit more um, boxing savvy as well, which is good. So, it, you know, there's no pressure, man. There's no pressure. You know, all the pressure is in him. He's the, he's the next Lance Lewis, the next Mohamed Ali, the next Mike Tyson. So all the pressure is in him. I'm, I'm just going there to do what I know I can do and it's to, to beat him again. Now, of course, in the amateurs, you guys fought, but it was very early on in your fighting careers. Um, you knocked him down and beat him in the amateurs, of course. Do you think this fight has got any chance of going to the judges, or do you reckon it's going to end in a stoppage, Dillian? Well, you never know. I'm sure he's going to be looking for a stoppage, and I'm sure I'm, be, I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking for... I'm definitely going to be... He's definitely going to be trying to stop me, and I'm going to be trying to stop him, so... I'm not, I'm not sure, but you know I know that if it goes to the the scorecards and it's close, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna I'm gonna get rubbed anyway. So, but you know um, whether it goes to distance or it goes to the scorecard, it doesn't really matter to me. To be honest, I've, I've trained for 12, 12 rounds, a twelve round um hard tough fight. So, you know. And the last thing I want to ask you now, um, you've said a few times now that Anthony Joshua is a fake. Um, seeing as you can sort of say whatever you like on our show, whereas you may not be allowed to say certain things on the TV or in other places, would you care to elaborate on that, Dillian? Listen, if you look at the guy's career and what he does and the way he acts and the way he goes on when he's in front of the camera and then you look at the way... like even And the camera, so he goes on like he's this good boy... He's this good role model and stuff. Then after when he's by himself and his media people and stuff isn't around, he posts pictures, of it, certain pictures of him doing certain things and acting a certain way and pretending to be this bad boy that he's not. And secondly, he just lies all the time. He, he lies like other. He, he tried to say at the head to head we had to be um, separated by security, which was a lie. There was no security separating us. I offered him out. I said to him, let, let, let's go. He didn't want it. He was like, oh, we was in there for 45 minutes. Why didn't you say what you want to say? I was like, you know, he didn't want to go. So no security. And, and listen, if me and him was going at it, what security could have stopped both of us? No security. Nobody could have stopped both of us, really. So he just 
he lies about who his trainer is. Like Tony Sims is the front man. Robert McCracken is his new trainer. He just lies. He just constantly lies. Like he's not consistent with. He's not consistent with what he says. He says one thing, then he does another thing, and he acts a certain way, and then he he, he pretends to be a certain way. I'm just like, just be yourself, dude. You don't need to. I know, obviously, you've had a lot of media training and and sports psychiatry and stuff, and they tell you what to say and how to speak. But you know, you got to be a man. You got to be a man and be yourself. You know, what I mean, you can't just. He's like a robot with a battery, you know. One day that battery's going to run out. And I got a very good idea that battery will run out on, on Saturday night. And also, of course, there was a bit of speculation that something, there was a bit of a altercation after the gloves are off episode in the studio, in the Sky Studios. Was there any truth in that, Dillian? It wasn't a real altercation. Listen, I told him, listen, forget all this talk here because, you see, what Sky done is, I'll be honest with you, Sky, they cut a lot they cut a lot of the um the gloves are off out. Like, you know, there's 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 bits in it where he was being really sexist towards women as well. Everybody's is ridiculous and passing fury, but there's bits in it where he was being he, he like he was saying, Oh, shake my hand and stop being a woman. Why are you acting like a woman? Stop being a girl, be a man and I, and I said to him, Why are you being sexist? Like I got daughter, why are you being sexist? Like and then he goes, Oh, you talk like Mike Tyson, but you fight like a girl and I said to him, Listen, I don't understand why you're being sexist because we've had some great, there's lots of great technical female boxers out there that I respect. So I don't understand why would he say something like that? Like he said, oh, I'm, say, I'm saying, listen, Natasha Jonas, Nicola Adams and all those guys, they all, they all, they all did well in the Olympics. Um, the the Irish girl, Cecilia, Cecilia Barracas and all those, those those females, they did well in, 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 in their career and they're just as good as, as us boys are. So I didn't understand why he was being so sexist and saying all them things, you know what I mean? Like, ah, uh, you know, so there's lots of things like that bits that he mentioned about my kids and stuff like that. And then when I got mad and stuck it on him, Sky's Sky cut, Sky's cut an hour interview down, 45 minutes interview down to what, 20 minutes or something. And they hated, they edited it because obviously they, they don't want Golden Bollocks to, to seem, to seem like, they don't want to show Golden Bollocks as too, true character so they, they they cut it down and edit it to to make it look like oh i was being over aggressive i was saying stuff that and he was just being normal when it wasn't like that you know but we are into this world through females and i don't understand why he would say sexist things like that towards women I don't, that's what i mean like the guy the guy he acts a certain way but when he's there in closed door when he's with his friends he says things that's really quite disrespectful and quite demeaning towards um people, you know, and and I, I don't respect that. I don't respect that, especially towards female because I've got six I've got six sisters and I got a daughter. So for me, when when a man's being disrespectful or saying stuff towards um look at Tyson Fury said one thing, one or two things about female and they they're making a big deal of it, but Sky is cut what Anthony Joshua said about female to make him look good. You know, that's what I mean, it's it's a joke. Okay, Dillian. Well, yeah, thank you for coming on our show and, you know, giving your piece, giving your say, especially so close to your fight. I appreciate that big time. So, um, yeah, that'll be put in this week's show. So thank you. Thank you very much for giving us a bit of time. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and I wish you the best of luck on Saturday night, sir. No worries, man. Thank you. God bless. Okay, now that concludes episode 12 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Thank you very much for tuning in if you've listened this far. Today we interviewed both of the underdogs for the two top fights this weekend. Obviously, 
Chris Eubank Jr. versus Spike O'Sullivan. We spoke to Spike O'Sullivan earlier in the show, and also we spoke to Dillian White, who will be facing Anthony Joshua. So it's been a really interesting show. It's good to hear some in-depth stuff that perhaps not every boxing fan knows. So it was good for both of the boxers to go in-depth with us. So thank you very much to our guests this week. Thank you very much to Ayaz Sumra. Thank you very much to everybody who listened this far, as I said. Please follow, please share, please retweet, please like, please favourite, and please, absolutely please, tune in next week. Thank you very much.